An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train! Episode 388, submission number 760. Clever Dicks! Nothing? Okay. Clever Dicks aired on Sky Atlantic in the United Kingdom from February 27th of 2012 through April 6th of 2012 for a total of 30 episodes. Hey, that's 14 more than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show and Uncle Cox Block. Oh, I did that joke last time. Uncle Crocs Block. And this is the fourth episode covering a subject that originates in 2012. The other three are First Night 2013, because remember, it started on New Year's Eve 2012, so it counts. That was a dumpster fire. Mockingbird Lane. Another dumpster fire. Okay. Back in episode 157. And Charles Styles, Mystery Diners. That was not a dumpster fire. That's an all-time great. That was gold. Hey, Charles, what do you have to say about that? Release the drone. These four people all claim to be clever dicks. But are they? Takes one to know one. I'm Anne Whittacombe, and this is Clever Dicks. Clever dicks. Okay, gentlemen. I just have a little poll for you for starters. How many of you have heard of the term clever dick before tonight? I see Chico shaking his head no. Greg, no, he hasn't heard of it either. So would you say, Greg, that this might be a case of somebody trying to create fetches, you would say? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to prove you wrong to a point because, believe it or not, I have up on my computer UrbanDictionary.com because we know all the cool kids, that's where they learn their slang from. And I have the definition of a clever dick here. British or Australian slang for someone who tries too hard to show that they are clever in a way which annoys other people. Example, he's such a clever dick, blogging about things he really knows nothing about. I sort of disagree with this definition as it applies to the Clever Dicks TV show because, A, I don't think necessarily it was annoying as a viewer, but also, B, I don't think people were necessarily trying to show too hard that they're clever. It just comes naturally. I mean, there's certain people who are just naturally gifted or uh, who who know trivia really well. 
And that's what you saw a lot of on this show. Th- this was a very brilliant show. I mean, honestly, it, it's one of the great formats from the 2010s that just gets no love or maybe not necessarily no love, but little love because again, it ran for 30 episodes on really a lower tier network. It did get rerun on challenge TV in Britain, but still it's a great show that sort of got lost in the shuffle. Before we get to the show itself, we need to talk about the host. You heard her at the top. She has that sort of matronly authoritative voice and Whittacombe. She's actually a politician in Britain. She was a member of Parliament for Maidstone and the Weld, or Weald. Apologies to those in the UK if I mispronounced that. And the former Maidstone constituency from 1987 to 2010. And a member of European Parliament for Southwest England in 2019 and 2020. So she's had a political career before this, and she had a political career after this. So the show itself. It reminded me very much of Double Dare, the CBS version that we've talked about previously. It was that challenging of a show. And actually, the format was kind of similar, at least for starters, because there were four different rounds and really four distinct rounds. There was no, oh, this round is similar to this round. And no, no, there really were four absolutely distinct rounds and clever ones, if I may say so myself. So the uh, show starts with four contestants. And they're not only just competing for money, but they're also competing for the title of Clever Dick, who ultimately is the champion for each day. Wait, they're competing for the title Clever Dick? Yes, I, th- that is actually what Ann Whittacombe says <laughs> is, you know, you're today's Clever Dick. Yes. I'd be so proud to be like, I'm today's clever dick. I'm the cleverest dick of them all. <laughs> I was actually doing some research on that phrase, clever dick. It actually dates to similar terms from the 18th century, like clever clogs, clever boots, that sort of thing. By the way, if you are active in um, certain quiz circles, you know what a clever clogs is. This is from the OED, by the way. So Now, does it give a year or time range when Clever Dicks was first used? I I understand Clever Clogs, but it's like how did that suddenly become like Clever Dicks? It's just later 19th century. Okay, that's news to me. So uh, anyhow, getting back to the show, four contestants all competing to be that day's Clever Dick and also possibly win a little bit of cash. We'll get to that down the road. Again, four rounds. Let's get to the first round. This round really reminds me of Double Dare. So each contestant played individually. They had, if I remember correctly, three minutes on the clock. And they were given a category, and they could guess as many times as they wanted without penalty. And if they didn't know uh, an answer, they could pass if they were stumped or if there was too much time being used. And the clues, like Double Dare, initially were very, very difficult, very vague. But as time went on, they get easier. So ultimately, by 
clue five, you should hopefully know what the answer is. And sometimes you'd see people after like one clue or two clues be like pass because they either didn't want to waste the time or it was a category that they didn't know anything about. Because they would tell you flat out the category. It's an artist. It's a painting. It's whatever. It's a novel. It's They'll tell you what the category is. So you can at least narrow down your scope a little bit. And uh, so, again, there's five clues. And they come down in sort of a, a timely fashion. It isn't just like you read the clue and then uh, the next one appears. There's a little bit of break in time. And then, boom, second clue. Chance for the person to guess. Boom, third clue. Next guess. And the thing is, it stacks up. The answers stack up. They appear on the screen and stack up on top of each other. So you have the toughest clue at the bottom, then next is the second toughest clue, and then the other total of five clues appear in that stack. And so if you get on the first clue, you get five points. If you get on the second clue, four points, third clue, three, fourth clue, two, last clue, one, and no points if you pass, obviously. There's also no penalty for passing. Also, if you get it on the first clue, you get the five points, but also you get to hear Ann Whittakam call you... Clever Dick. So, again, as I said, each contestant gets three minutes, if I remember correctly. I think it's three. It might be two. I said three minutes. It's two minutes. My apologies. Each contestant gets two minutes to identify as many uh, of these items as they can. And at the end of the round, whoever has the lowest score is gone. So then you're down to three contestants. Hey, Mike, you forgot one yeah. thing. Yeah. Every great British quiz show has their great kiss-off phrase. I'm sorry, but you will not be today's clever dick. Then we go to round two. <laughs> I love Mike's like, then we go to round two. I'm trying to handle this with a sense of decorum. This is a very touchy subject. I'm not going to say I'm a professional, but I'm a professional. So as I was saying, round two, three contestants left. Now this time, uh, again, five clues uh, to a subject are shown one at a time. And correct response, uh, you get the same points as in round one. But also there are three related questions on that subject for one point each. Anything that is missed is like an open toss-up for the other uh, two contestants. And regardless if the answers are right or wrong, the person who answered the subject question, if you will, the, the overarching subject, gets first control of all three questions. So it doesn't pass control to whoever got the right answer on the, the bounce back or whatever you want to call it. So there's eight subjects total, and again, low score is out. And by low score, this is the lowest score in this round. Not the lowest score in the game, the lowest score in this round. So you could do amazingly well in the first round and totally blow it in the second round, and you get the heave-ho. And actually, that happened on the first episode. I don't know if it was round two or round three where they got the boot, but the uh, leader after round one on the first episode, not even kidding, 
had like 48 points, an amazingly high number because a lot of times you see numbers in the teens is kind of rare on this show. This guy got like 42, 43, 40, somewhere in the 40s and just like constantly, clever dick, clever dick, clever dick, clever dick. An amazing score, but faltered in later rounds and didn't win. And then we get to round three and round three, oh, between round three and round four, these were my favorite rounds of like, not just this show, but like almost ever because they're so unique. So you have two people left because we got rid of the round one low score. The round two low score is gone too. So now it's head to head and each player is given alternating questions. And the high score from round two gets to decide who begins the round. And there is a little bit of strategy at play here. You'll hear about that in a second when I talk about what this round entails. The questions are going to be asked uh, in an alternating manner. And if you miss or pass, a triangle appears on your side of the ledger. There's It's split down the middle. You've got a contestant on the left. You've got a contestant on the right. And if they get the answer wrong, this little triangular wedge, it's almost like Tetris, the way it just like comes from the top of the screen down to the bottom. And it puts this little wedge, this little triangle at the bottom of your screen. And what the idea is, is you don't want your tower of wrong answers to reach a certain line. And the line decreases as time goes on it goes down so it's really a game of survival but also if you get an answer correct you lose one of the triangles that's already there assuming you already have a triangle there if you don't have any triangles there any wrong answers there's no benefit you just uh, go to the next person with the next question so the idea is you know obviously get right answers but make sure your stack doesn't get so high because that line is continually decreasing. And once the line hits the tower, eh, game over. And whoever survives this, they're the champ. And they are the clever dick of the day. And they get to play for, I'm not going to say big money. They get to play for money. Again, remember, this isn't ITV. This isn't BBC even BBC, they don't give away that much money, but this is very low stakes. So in round four, kind of sort of like round three in a way, but there are a couple of caveats, we'll say. So just like round three, the triangles drop, okay? And the idea now, again, you don't want your tower of triangles to reach a certain line but the way that the triangles accumulate isn't with wrong answers just over time about every six seconds or so a new question appears just a basic trivia question and you just need to answer that question correctly in order to get rid of that triangle and then down comes another question but you can't move on until you get the right answer or you pass. So you can give a hundred answers as long as one of them is right. Cool. We're going to go to the next question. Okay, next question is blankety blank. 
But the thing is, the longer it takes you to answer questions, the more questions back up that tower's getting higher and higher towards the red line. And if you touch that red line, game over. You don't win any money. It should be added that there are two minutes. You have two minutes to do this round. And as long as your tower of triangles does not reach the top, that top line or whatever you want to call it, you win. So if you have a tower of six questions there and time runs out, you win. Doesn't make a difference if you have no triangles, six, seven, as long as it doesn't hit that line. And that line is eight triangles. So if you have eight questions backed up, you hear a siren, game over. You don't win. You'll be back tomorrow as the returning clever dick, the returning champion. If you're able to survive this onslaught for two minutes, you win a cash jackpot that starts at a thousand pounds and goes up by a thousand pounds every day. So, like we said, not huge stakes, especially for the amount of knowledge and how good of a contestant you need to be to even get on this show. There is a situation I want to mention though, and I'm going to put it in post in this episode. There was one episode later in the run, I think it was the last week or second to last week, where a contestant was just breezing through the questions, did an amazing job, had no triangles, no questions at the bottom of the board. I mentioned that you could pass questions. You're limited to two passes. So you just couldn't unlimited pass. Well, that makes no sense because everybody would win the jackpot that way. So two passes in this final round. There was a contestant in the final round, just breezed through all the questions, breezed through all the questions, and got to a question. It had to do with breeds of cattle in Scotland. And he had maybe about 50 seconds, 55 seconds left. And he had no questions above it. So he's in really good shape. And he just stood there, struggled with the question as the triangles kept on piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up. And then with like five seconds left, six seconds left, he hit the line. The one thing that he forgot, he had two passes. Or at least he was given two passes. He had at least one pass left. He could have passed that and he could have cleared out the stack if he knew those answers. And even Ann Whittacombe's like, you had a pass, you had a pass. And he, he just sort of like, oh, duh, I did have a pass. And I'll put it in right here. Just absolutely just amazing. The guy let a lot of money slip away. I don't remember how much. And it wasn't a thousand pounds this guy lost out on. He lost out on a lot of money. I want to say in the range of 5,000 pounds. Might have been four, might have been six. Again, you'll hear it, and Anne Whittacombe may make a reference to it. But yeah, she's just like, you had a pass. You could have gotten rid of it. So let's play the final. Oh, I remind you that you have two drops, and your time starts now. Which alkaloid remedy for malaria is found in the bark of many chicona trees? Quinine. Correct. Which town in Yorkshire shares its name with the capital of Nova Scotia? Halifax. Correct. In Greek mythology, which titan stole fire to give it to mankind? Prometheus. Correct. 
which Latin term is often applied to educational establishments and means bounteous mother? Alma mater. Correct. Which group from Wigan sold over three million copies in the UK of their 1997 album Urban Hymns? The Verve. Correct. Which Frenchman became Allied Supreme Commander on the Western Front in early 1918? Foch. Correct. Which detective created by Ruth Rendell shares his name with a county in Ireland? Wexford. Correct. Which large desert occupies almost all of Botswana, much of Namibia and parts of South Africa? Kalahari. Correct. The Kowloon Peninsula is part of which special administrative region? Hong Kong. Correct. Which sweet fortified wine is most commonly used to make Zabalione? Marsala. Correct. What name for a breed of black or red beef cattle is derived from two traditional Scottish counties? Angus, Sutherland, um, uh, so, um, Argyle and Sutherland. No. Um, uh, oh, blast. Um, Kakubri. No, um, no, no. Lenark. No. Uh, no. Inverness. No. Oh, last. Um. <laughs> you have two drops left. Uh, you have two oh. drops left. Yeah, I just forgot about I was about. waiting for you to drop it. It was yes. Aberdeen Angus. If you dropped it, you'd have done it. Oh, oh, I can't stand it. <laughs> All you had to drop, you hadn't used either drop. No, I just forgot about it. Oh, oh. oh dear, Paul. You and your drop strategy. Yes. <laughs> uh, the strategy just disappeared. You had my... 13 seconds. Yes. Oh. Right, Aberdeen Angus yeah. was the answer. At the end of the game, win or lose, if there's any questions left in the stack, they go through it, and a lot of times especially in this case, the guy's like, oh, I knew this, I knew this, I knew this. So if he just used the pass, he would have won. I think this is a brilliant show. I am, I want to say disappointed only 30 episodes were made, but this is like one of the most clever, one of the, the, the smartest shows on either side of the Atlantic in the last Decade plus, let's say. This Million Dollar Mind Game. Oh, I don't want to put Million Dollar Mind Game on the list, but oh, that's one of my favorite shows. That was such a great show. But yeah, this is a brilliant format. The host works perfectly. She sort of has that Anne Robinson feel. You know, that uh, sort of smarmy, I'm better than you sort of vibe. And she looks all hoity-toity and whatnot. This is just a beautiful mix of a great game, an appropriate host. Maybe not a good host. Anne Whittacombe is not going to be known for her hosting, but I think her character, the way she presented herself, was just the perfect match for this show. If everything worked out really well, this is a show that could have lasted a long time, but... Yeah, something happened. I mean, it, it, this was a newer network, the Sky Atlantic. Uh, it actually premiered literally less than a month before Clever Dicks premiered. So maybe there just weren't enough viewers, enough eyes, enough coverage. 
maybe uh, under other circumstances, this might have lasted some time. Sky Atlantic was basically a premium television service in the UK and all through Europe, much like HBO is or Showtime is here in the US. Oh, and actually, I should uh, correct myself. It didn't debut the same month as Clever Dicks. It debuted a year earlier, February 1st of 2011, not 2012. So that's my bad there. But, oh, this was a pay television channel. Wow. Mm -hmm. So either a lot of people didn't pay to see it or they went on the cheap. I don't know. But also at the same time, has HBO... Showtime. Have they ever done any sort of game shows? The answer to that is probably a big no. So maybe game shows don't work on channels you're paying for? Just saying. Well, they did have Teen Win, Loser, Draw and Contraption on the Disney back when you were paying for that. So, Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't have Disney back in the day when you had to pay for it. But you know who hosted Team Win or Lose or Draw, guys? I Mark know. Price. Yes, Skippy. Skippy. Who we discussed all the way back in Condo. You're yeah, both yeah. speechless. Well, well, no, I'm not speechless. I, <laughs> I was trying to think about if we need to add anything else. I was just thinking this format reads to me like Mastermind meets Double Dare 76. The first round, you get a ton of Double Dare vibes, except there's obviously no daring. But the clues, yeah, very much similar to that. I can definitely see some Mastermind, especially in round two where you have the categories and then those sub-questions in each category, those three follow-up questions. I, I could definitely see that. And the trivia itself, it really wasn't aimed at the average viewer. I mean... A lot of this was very challenging, and really, the, the contestants they got on the show, they are some greats in the uh, UK quizzing community. You saw a number of uh, champions from other quiz shows. You had top quizzers in the country. You had some people who appeared on Eggheads. You had a future Brain of Britain and a future Egghead. So you had a lot of smart people on this show. Maybe this show was just too smart for its own good. Maybe, I don't want to say this, but maybe Clever Dix was maybe talking above people's heads. And if your audience, yeah, they might be amazed and whatnot, but at least over here with Jeopardy, one of the things that really makes it entertaining is the play-along factor. That, yeah, I mean, I can get certain questions that one of the three people on stage or all the people on stage might not be able to get. And you get that sort of self-satisfaction. Ha, huh, I got it and the three people on stage didn't. But when you raise the bar so high that only the smartest of the smartest of the smartest are playing. Yeah, there's two possible reactions. A amazement in just how well they're doing and the level of difficulty or b you're turned off because it's not material that's approachable if you can't answer it what satisfaction do you get out of it 
And I wonder if that's why this didn't last is the trivia was so difficult that the average viewer's like, I don't think I'm going to watch this. Yes, it's it, it might be a good way of showing off people's intelligence, and that might be one of the reasons why it's on pay TV. You know, maybe sort of a, a spectacle of, you know, here's the best in the country going at it. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm hypothesizing here, but there's a reason this didn't last, and you can't blame the budget. I mean, the budget we said was a thousand pounds per show. So I mean, that's thirty thousand pounds over the course of the show. That's not that much. And Whittacombe, I'm sure, wasn't asking for a ton of money. So I'm guessing just viewers didn't see it. Well, like I said earlier, it did have a brief second life on Challenge UK. Don't think it's aired for a number of years. And by a number of years, I mean about a decade or so. But it did get at least one full rerun cycle. And the episodes are out there if you can find them. I've got all 30 episodes. Don't approach me about sending you guys 30 episodes. Just saying, sorry. But you can see it, and you can see for yourself, and make your own judgment. Was it too difficult for the average viewer in UK? Was it just a spectacle of sorts? You know, where did it go wrong? Who knows? But ultimately, in the end, Clever Dick's we're not going to get a last laugh out of Clever Dicks. <laughs> okay, don't fake it. I Don't patronize me. But ultimately, Clever Dicks... I'm sorry. It ultimately dicked itself over, and that's why it's just a thing on TV. If you want to be a smart person, you can go head over to itwasthingontv.com and listen to all our back entries... And also, go to social media. Follow us on Instagram and at Twitter, Mastodon, Hive. We're at almost everywhere at It Was The Thing On TV. Facebook, unfortunately, we're at It Was The Thing On TV podcast. We're two-thirds of the way done with our little National Sex Day week, as it were. And we got one more episode coming. And this next episode, yes, the title is, I don't want to say sexual in nature. It's not really sexual in nature, but the thing is, it can be sexual in nature if you try really hard. But really, it is the 20th anniversary of an event that, well, it isn't an event, though. It never aired on TV. And you're probably saying, what? 20th anniversary of something that happened but didn't happen? Yes, it's true, and we'll talk about it right here later this week on It Was The Thing on TV. Thank you very much for listening. Take care of yourself, and we'll catch you for that episode later this week. Wow! And Whittaker's got a new show. Oh. Right, give it a chance. Yeah, clever dicks on Sky Atlantic. Now, you might think, can an ex-politician like Anne handle a whole show of her own and a quiz show at that? Well, you've got to really sell it. Well, have no fear. Anne is a quiz show natural. These four people all claim to be clever dicks. <laughs> but are they? It takes one to know one. I'm Anne Widdicombe, and this is Clever Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Brucey. We've found your replacement. <laughs> 
Slam dunk, back of the net, she's a natch. What a find. <laughs> so, what are the contestants like? So, Steve, what do you do? Um, I work for an IT firm, man. Um, basically, I'm in security, I look after people's accounts, I give them access to various bits and bobs that they like. <laughs> Bit boring. What about David? So, David, tell me what you do. I'm a corporate tax solicitor in the City of London. <laughs> <laughs> Bit boring. What about Rob? What do you actually do? Um, I have a part-time job uh, helping people who've been missold endowment mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> What about Susan? What do you do? I'm a professional photographer. Oh, a photographer. <laughs> That's a bit more interesting. Go to it, Anne. And what do you take? Um, photographs. Photographs! <laughs> 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 but say what you like about Anne's presenting style. When it comes to dealing with the public, the witty repartee comes thick and fast. How on earth did you know what Bob Wilson's middle name was? I'm not entirely sure. I, I think it was probably something from Question of Sport. I think they, they, they did do a, a footballer's middle name uh, game, uh, Mark Everton, Walters and so forth. And I um, think uh, Bob, uh, Bob Primrose Wilson was one of those. Do you have any idea why he's called Primrose? Um, I haven't the foggiest idea, I'm afraid. No, neither have I. Perhaps it was his mother's maiden name or something. Maybe. <laughs> See, in less experienced hands, that might have come across as stilted. <laughs> Eight hours later. I generated a sonnet about clever dicks. Oh, no! <laughs> a chat GPT sonnet about clever dicks. In realms of trivia and knowledge bright, there shines a show where brilliance takes its stand, where minds engage in cerebral delight. Clever dicks, a game that's truly grand. Upon the stage, contestants keenly vie with nimble wit and backs at their command. They strive to prove their intellectual high, the triumph leaving all spectators banned. From ancient history to science's realm, the questions flow like rivers uncontrolled. The clever dicks, they fear no mental helm, their wisdom shining bright, a story told. So let us gather round. Embrace the fray and cheer for Clever Dicks, the wise today. You know, that chat GPT, that's a clever dick. That is a clever dick. Clever dick. Clever dick.